Well, so good to have you here today. This uh, coming week, we are beginning a, uh, a four-week uh, class on uh, the uh, Christian worldview. And uh, here are just some of the things that we're going to be talking about. We're talking about the war between two worlds. And um, uh, you, 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 I think most of us understand that there is a war going on in the spiritual realm. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be addressing the issue of evolution or creation or both. Um, heaven and hell, what's that all about? Is it real? We'll be talking about what truth is, your truth, my truth, God's truth, which is it? Uh, I think a favorite expression nowadays, well, this is my truth and that's your truth, but we want to know what the truth is about truth. <laughs> we'll talk about free will, my will, or God's will. We'll talk about science, is it the enemy of the Bible? Um, we're going to talk about secret code in the scripture. I'm excited to share that with you. And uh, I say secret in, in quotations because it's not that secret, but I think a lot of people don't understand it, so we'll share that. We'll talk about the life-saving uh, importance of church attendance. We're talking about sexuality, and there's so many other things that we'll be discussing. So if you can be here on Wednesday um, for, for four weeks, I think that you will be enlightened and excited about your faith. And you'll begin to understand um, how we as Christians interpret this world, how we interpret life, how we interpret death, uh, how to live in this world. So if you can make it, please sign up so we know how many chairs to set up. We'll have coffee and some refreshments for you. Um, there will not be a supper. Some people ask, will there be supper served <laughs> for the next four weeks? We only use supper to bribe people to come to church meetings. <laughs> so uh, no, there won't be a supper, but there'll be coffee and refreshments. So please come on, on Wednesday for that. Now, uh, last week, we talked about uh, what many Bible scholars believe is the first Christian creed of the church. Uh, in fact, it, is, it, is, uh, it, it was written so early that it was actually before the time that the Apostle Paul had even become a Christian. And uh, he shares this with the believers in Corinth. And he says that what I have, what I received, I'm now passing on to you as of the first and most uh, important um, passage of scripture. And it's 1 Corinthians 15, three to seven. And so uh, what we believe is that the early believers would have recited this together in their gatherings. And so we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna pretend that, we're gonna go back 2,000 years, we're gonna pretend that we're first century Christians. So I'm gonna ask everybody to stand with me, please. And uh, I'm going to lead you in the, in the recitation of this passage of Scripture. And can I just remind everybody, I don't want anybody to speed up and go faster than others, and I don't want you to be louder than others. We're going to do it in, in unison, okay? And I'm going to be the conductor. And so uh, just kind of follow me. You're going to notice I'm not going to be reading this fast. We're going to try to read it fairly slowly so that the words sink in. Hey, by the way, before we read it, You'll notice that, that the Apostle Paul calls on the scriptures as the authority. He says, we believe this because this is what the Bible says. Now, I don't know if this occurred to you, but at the writing of 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 7, there was no New Testament. So the scriptures that the Apostle Paul is referring to is in fact the Old Testament, the prophecies about what Jesus would do. So it's really important to remember that. Okay, are you ready? There's only four, are only four of us doing this? All right, can we do it again? try it again? Are we ready? Yes. Okay, this is going to be great. Here we go. 
Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. You guys were great. Give the guy beside you a high five. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, so folks, I'll just remind everybody, it's really, really critical that you understand this. The resurrection, Christ's resurrection, and the teaching that we as believers in Jesus Christ will be resurrected uh, on the day, we call it the day, capital D, is central. It's, it's central to the Christian teaching. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't understand that you take the resurrection factor out of Christianity and the whole thing falls apart. There can be no Christianity without the resurrection. It's that critical. And this is why the Apostle Paul wants to make sure that the Corinthians understand that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. This is the proof. These are the factors. First of all, the scriptures prove it. The, the scriptures give witness to this. But more than that, all those who knew Jesus, all those who followed Jesus, saw him after he arose from the dead. It's been called one of the, one of the best substantiated facts of history. Now, you may choose not to believe that. That's your prerogative. You can do that. But for those of us who, who have experienced the power of God at work in our lives, and we have seen how our lives have been transformed and changed, we, we have no problem believing this because we have experienced the risen Jesus working in us and through us. Someone say amen to that. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's my experience. That's what, that's what God did in my life. And by the way, God is still doing that. So the resurrection is critical. It's key. And here's what I want uh, the people of Cross Church to do. I want you to live as resurrection people. I want you to live, I want that resurrection life, that resurrection power that the Apostle Paul talked about to, to dwell in you richly. This is what the Apostle Paul said. I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of the resurrection. That same power that raised Jesus up out of the grave. Paul is saying, I want that power at work in me. And I don't know about you, but man, that's exactly what I want. I want that resurrection power at work in my life. Now, when Gloria and I were in Israel with uh, eight other people from our church, one of the ladies on the, on the tour, and I, we got to talk, and she said that she suffers from FOMO. Has anybody here suffer from FOMO? Does anybody know what FOMO is? Well, let me just bring you up to speed on this. FOMO is the fear of missing out. And here's, here's the definition. It's anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. Now, let me ask you, does anybody here suffer from FOMO? Uh, there's a few people. Few honest people. Others are not. I'm not putting my hand up. Hey, here, here's what I know. Here's what I know. There's far more people suffering from FOMO here than are willing to admit it. 
And the reason I know that is because this is what the research says. Market research group Nielsen reported that adults spend more than 11 hours per day watching, reading, listening to, or simply interacting with media. 11 hours per day. And that's up nine and a half hours from just four years ago. So this is being monitored. People, people are rep reporting that that's how much time they're spending. In fact, they discovered that people are in fact checking their phones every 12 minutes. It's, it's a staggering number of times through the course of the day where you're constantly checking. And, and, and have you noticed, um, uh, have you noticed that every time someone sends out a tweet or a Facebook post or there's a, a, a voicemail or a, a text that there's a little bing. You notice that? Bing. Sometimes we hear it in church, even though everyone's not supposed to have their phones on. <laughs> bing. And everybody in that moment, their heart beats a little faster because they wonder, what on earth is happening out there? What's going on? I get, I get tweets uh, I'm on, I, I don't spend any time on Facebook, so if you're trying to talk to me through Facebook, I'm not looking at it. So uh, uh, if you want to talk to me, you have to actually phone me or text me or email me. But here's what I discovered. Is every, time, every time someone's tweeting something, I get, I'm getting on my, my phone's over there, by the way. Every time, every time there's a tweet going out, someone says this person is tweeting this person, this person has tweeted that, this, that, and the thing's ding, ding, ding. It's like all important stuff, getting my attention. But the fact of the matter is it's all nonsense. It's all meaningless. I don't really care what you are eating for lunch. We've got to take a picture of this. I've got to send this out right away. This is important stuff. I don't, care. I don't care if you're having a hamburger or, or well, I mean, let's not talk about food right now. <laughs> I don't care about that. And yet this is so important. And, and we've got to get that out because we don't, we, we, and, we, and we have to read it because we don't want to miss out on this important information. You know what? This has become very stressful for people. And so now there's a new movement out called JOMO. FOMO is a fear of missing out. JOMO is the joy of missing out. <laughs> is that good? The joy of missing out. Hey, we, it stresses us out. Hey, here's what's happening, my friends. And you, if you want to know, there is a war going on between the systems of this world and God. It's, simply put, it's a battle between what's temporal and what's eternal. The enemy of this, of our souls, the enemy of this world is working overtime to distract us from what really matters. I think most of us, even if you're not a Christian, would agree, yeah, I'm being distracted by things that really are not important. And what's happening now is, uh, is that we are alert, actually. It's something alluring about, about this temporal nonsense. And, and what's alluring about it is that it, it, it gives us relief from, from the demands of eternity. We can avoid the demands of eternity. And we know, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the demands of eternity. 
Is there, what happens after we die? Does it matter how I live my life? Does my life have eternal significance or is it meaningless? I can tell you, I've done some funerals in my time. They've been absolutely spectacular, wonderful funerals. Now, that sounds like a strange thing to say about a funeral. I'm thinking of Marilyn Wedlake, celebrating her life and what her life meant to so many people. In case you don't know who Marilyn Wedlake is, she was one of the, one of the uh, faithful, faithful servants in this church who blessed and served, uh, like over the years, without exaggerating, thousands of people. What a, what a great joy and a great blessing. There's a woman who was not caught up in the things that are temporal, but caught up in the things that are eternal. I've had other funerals, however, that have been very, very difficult. Because I sit down with a family and I say, please tell me something about your departed loved one. What, did, what, what great things did they do? And they look at it, the family looks at each other. With, well, I don't know. Well, never, never miss Coronation Street. Uh, uh, saw all of them. Whoa. Nothing, nothing, nothing. The, a life lived and produced nothing. Made no difference in anybody else's life. Didn't help anybody in the world. It was all about them. This is what I'm driving at. We talk about the resurrection. We're talking about a life lived in light of eternity. If, in fact, there is a resurrection, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, if there is a resurrection, that means you and I also will be resurrected. And we will someday stand before God. Now, I want to talk about that really quickly for a moment. I want to talk to you about the resurrection. And before I do, let me, uh, let me just read to you some scripture from 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm looking at verses 30 to 34. And Paul says, And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? He's talking to the Corinthians because the Corinthians, uh, there's been some, some talk in the church in Corinth that there is no resurrection and that how you live doesn't really matter. Once you live your life, it's all over, which begs another question. If, if all there is is this life and nothing else, why bother being a Christian? Why bother, why bother uh, giving and sharing and why bother not just doing whatever you want? So Paul says, why should, we, why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour if there's no resurrection? Paul says, for I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Jesus Christ our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus who tried to kill him, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame I say that some of you don't know God at all. Hey, Paul could be speaking to church today. A lot of people go to church, they have no idea of, of what it means to be a Christian. They have no idea of how they should live, no idea why they make the decisions they make. So Paul's saying, hey, let's, let's be disciplined here. 
Let's start living our lives in light of eternity. Now, <laughs> I said it already, I'm gonna say it again. When, you, when, you, when, when you're on, fa- uh, on the social media, Facebook or Instagram, I guess Instagram's the big one right now, am I right? Hello, Instagram, is Instagram big or not? Yeah, so some of the older people are saying, oh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Social media, Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter. Um, anybody watch, or anybody read Donald Trump's tweets? Very entertaining. You could spend your whole day just reading those. You know, really, I don't care. I don't really care what you're eating, what you're wearing, where, who you're with. I don't, I don't really care to see another t- a, a selfie. Do you know, I told you last week that when we were at Notre Dame, there was a guy who was getting, doing a selfie of himself with Jesus hanging on the cross. Did I tell you that last week? And I thought it was funny he was fixing his hair up before he, <laughs> before he did the selfie with Jesus. I, I thought, wow, that is really something. What a different world we live in now. There was one lady who was going around kissing all the columns in the church, and another guy's doing a selfie with Jesus. I guess the older people will kiss the columns. The younger people do the selfies. And if you don't know how to do a selfie, you can go to WikiHow, and they'll sh- tell you how, how to do selfies. Did you know that? So that you can have good selfies. Up here, not down here, up here. And you have to turn your face a certain way and there should be a certain amount of space between your neck. I I looked at this, between your (laughs) neck and your shoulder and different angles. There's even a name for it, it's called selfie lips. And your eyes have to be big Stuff you never heard of before. You know, just 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 to do my research, so I know I'm talking about. I, I looked this up. I, there's some people's some people's Facebook pages, Instagram pages, where it's hundreds of pictures of them doing. <laughs> really? Look at. I don't care if you take a selfie. No one's going to hell for taking a selfie. <laughs> But here's the problem. It's when your life, the sum total of your life is that which is temporary, momentary, that which will pass away, that which which will come to nothing. You and I were created as eternal beings. Our lives are supposed to count. Our lives are supposed to be productive for the glory of God. If you're a Christian, our lives are productive for the glory of God. So Paul says, uh, let's just look at this verse in verse 32 here, 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 32. He says, and what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus? He calls them wild beasts because they were, they were nasty and vicious. They nearly killed them. He says, what's the point? What's the value if there's no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection, well, then let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. 
That really is the philosophy of this world, both in Paul's time and in our time. If there's no eternity, if there's no resurrection, well, let's live it up. Let's have a ball. Let's party. Let's party hardy. Let's party till we drop. But Paul says, if there is a resurrection, if there is eternity, this is a game changer. This has got to change the way that you live your life. This has got to change the way that you interact with the people in your life and how you, what you do when you go to work and, and how you spend your spare time and how you spend your money. Paul says, man, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking my back serving God. And the reason I'm doing it is because I know that someday I will be resurrected and someday I will stand before Jesus and I will have to give an account. I'm going to talk about more of that in just a moment. But I want you to stop and think for a moment that the resurrection is at the very center of our hope. What's our hope? Our hope is that this is not all there is. Wouldn't you be ripped off if this is all there was? Somebody like, yeah, you're going through a particularly tough week, aren't you? <laughs> but if this really is all there is, Hey, we live in, in, in comparative, what well, wealthiest people on the planet right here in Canada compared to the rest of the world. Those people in third world countries, wouldn't you say that they would feel ripped off if this is all there is? We know instinctively, we know that there's got to be more, that this, this ain't right. We think of a, of a child dying at a young age because of illness or, or somebody snuffed out in the prime of life. This, this is not right. There's got to be more to it. And Paul says, this is our hope. There is a resurrection. There's more to life than what happens in the few years we're on this planet. I don't know about you, but I got chills going up and down my spine. There's got to be more. And the good news is there is. And how do we know it? Because Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have the proof that Jesus rose from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, then we too will rise from the dead. But the question is, what happens after we rise from the dead? Hmm. Look at Paul says there's all kinds of people that have this philosophy of life. He says, and this is a deadly philosophy. There's a lot of people, especially in Canada, that live like this. They're just living for themselves. They don't think about, they don't think of anybody else. They don't think of anything else. They just think of themselves. Paul says it's deadly. And Paul says, for this reason, you've got to make sure that you choose your friends wisely. You've got to choose the right people to hang out with. You've got to make sure that the people you're spending time with do not hold to this philosophy. Because if you do, then you are in danger. Did the Apostle Paul really say that? Yes, he does. In fact, he says it right here in verses 33 and 34. He says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. Let's eat, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. This is why it's so critical, people, that you go to church every Sunday and don't miss this is why it's so critical that you're in a small group and you are surrounded by people who are of like mind and like heart. Because Paul says, if you hang out with the wrong company, people that hold to this, this philosophy, Paul says that it's gonna corrupt you. 
and you're going to forget that we are eternal beings and we'll be caught up in the things that are temporal and meaningless. Please, not another picture of a hamburger. That's what Paul's saying here. You have to hang out with people who have an eternal worldview. Folks, this is, this is why God established the church. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. What, what is hell trying to do to us? Hell is trying to, to lure us into a very temporal way of living so that we can avoid the demands of eternity. That's why you have to go to church every Sunday. Hey, do you know that church, the reason we have church on Sunday and not on Saturday is because Sunday is the Lord's day. Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And this is why the, the psalmist looks forward to that day and he says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is Resurrection Sunday and every Sunday that you come to church, you are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are celebrating the fact that you are an eternal human being with eternal significance and with eternal purpose. That's why you come to church on Sunday. Every time you come through those doors, you come here to a little patch of heaven. You're looking around thinking, well, it doesn't really look like heaven. <laughs> hey, we're doing our best. And anyways, in case you haven't figured this out yet, we talk about heaven. We talk about eternal life. We're not talking about something that's physical. We're talking about something that's spiritual. You come into the presence of God's people and you are in the presence of of God because we're two or more gathered together in Christ's name Christ is there did you know God's here right now God is here and right now his spirit is moving in your heart and his spirit is connecting with your spirit you say pastor what if I'm not a Christian oh God's after you because he loves you and you're here this morning, not by accident. You're here today because God wants you to be here today, right now. He wants you to hear this sermon. You thought you had it all under control. I'm going to tell you, God is, we have a theological term for it. We say God is sovereign. He's the king. He reigns. That's what the sovereign means. He's, he's reigning over us. And you are here right now hearing the preaching of the word of God because God wants you to know something today. He wants you to know that you were created for eternity. You're, eternal, you're an eternal human being. You're not on this earth for a few short years and then you're dead and that's it. No, this is just the beginning. Let's talk about the significance of this. If you believe that you are an eternal being, if you believe that you were created for eternity, that it's a big game changer. In verse 30, Paul says, and I read this already, and why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour if there's no resurrection? You're not going to do it. But if there is, that changes everything. It's going to change the way that you live your life. You say, Pastor Allen, well, how should I live then? How, what changes should take place in my life because there's a resurrection? Well, first of all, you've got to give thought 
to a teaching that we don't hear anything about anymore because quite frankly, it's a little distasteful and it's uncomfortable and it sounds harsh and mean. You know where I'm going with this. It's a matter of what happens after you die. Do you go to heaven? Or do you go to hell? Nobody talks about that now. Nobody wants to talk about that. It's far too uncomfortable. We have to be positive. Don't mention the word sin. Don't mention the, don't mention the word dying or death. And don't mention hell. There's some churches who have, have a policy to eliminate that from their language. The problem with that, folks, is it's in the Bible. It's in the scripture. In fact, some, would, uh, some say that Jesus speaks more about hell than he does about heaven. Listen, the gospel is the gospel, it's the good news because Jesus shows us a way out of hell. Did you hear this? I can hear a pin drop in this place. Some of you think I'm never coming back to this church ever again. <laughs> hey, can I just remind you of something? It's in the Bible. And Jesus taught this. It's good news because Jesus has given us a way. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the wide road which leads to destruction. And most people, he says, they choose that wide road. But the, the, the road that leads to heaven, it's called the narrow road, the narrow gate. And Jesus says, few find it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now in case there's anybody here who, uh, who think, what kind of a... What kind of a a God who calls himself loving would send anybody to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. In fact, this is what John 3, 16 is. Everybody learned that as a child. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What's his name? Jesus. That whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. And this is a choice that you and I, that God gives us. God gives us that choice. It's called free will, which we're gonna talk about briefly in our class, uh, classes this month in, in May. There will be a judgment. Now here, look at this. In Revelation 20, verse six, it says that right at the end of Revelation, the writer of Revelation says, blessed or joyful, and holy. You know what the word holy means? It means to be set apart. A holy person is somebody who's set apart for God. Blessed and set apart are those who share in the first resurrection. Folks, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will experience the first resurrection. In other words, you will immediately go to be with Jesus on the day that you die. Somebody came after uh, the service last Sunday to argue with me about that. No, we don't, we don't go to be with Jesus right away. I said, yes, we do. If you want to really argue with me, let's do it. Bring it on. I do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said what? To the thief that was hanging beside him, that thief that was hanging on the cross beside Jesus, who, that thief who put his faith in Christ, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Not his body, but his spirit. Those of us who put our faith in Christ, we go to be with Jesus. We don't believe in soul sleep. 
And someday, we will be resurrected and given brand new bodies. And our brand new body will be reunited with our spirit. And we will live eternally in that blessed state. That is our hope. So whether you've got loved ones who've died young or loved ones who are old and died, I want you to know that you have a great hope of seeing them again. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. What does that mean, priests of God? We don't become Roman Catholic priests. I hope everybody understands that. What happens is that a priest is somebody who ministers before God who worships God, involved in the process of worshiping God. This is our great hope. Now listen to this, Revelation 20, 11 to 15. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. That's God. And the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You see why it's so critical that we live our lives in the light of eternity. And you see why Satan does everything in his power to cause us to be temporal in our thinking. We don't think, we don't, don't, don't talk about eternity, don't talk about that stuff, pastor. Can we just talk about being positive? Don't worry, be happy. Listen, if you want to be if you want to satisfy yourself with a, super fa- a superficial way of life, that's your choice. But if you care about what happens when you die, then you've come to the right place because the Bible gives us hope of eternity with Jesus Christ if we put our faith in him. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ yet, I invite you to do that today. Pastor Allen, how do I do that? Just simply say, God, I recognize I am a sinner. I recognize that my life does not bring glory to your name. In other words, when people look at you, do, do, they, do they think, wow, he serves God. What a great God that guy serves. That's what it means to bring glory to God. If you're sorry for your sin, you just say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me now so that I can, I can change my life around in your strength. And God will do that. That's how easy it is. And you'll do that if you understand that there is an eternity waiting us. Now, I wish I could stop there, but there's a few more things I want to share with you. For those of us who are Christians, those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, because I know that not everybody here has yet, but those of you who have, there is a judgment for you. Now, we talked about the great white throne judgment. That, that's, Christians will not be standing before God at that judgment because, because our sins are forgiven and we don't need to stand before that judgment. But there is a special judgment for Christians. And what is it that God is judging? 
He's judging your works. He's judging you as believers to see whether or not what you did was for your glory and honor or for his glory and honor. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus in, in Matthew chapter six talks about, uh, about some of the religious people that were giving money to God. And Jesus says, and they're, it's like they're blowing trumpets to say, look at me, I'm giving money. Or look at me, I'm praying. And Jesus gives a description of one guy who's praying, say, God, you are so lucky to have me. I am such a wonderful person, God. And look at all the sinners around me, the scum of the earth, but I kept myself pure for you, God. How wonderful I am. Jesus says, what a bunch of garbage. What hypocrites. Jesus says, you got your pat on the back. Jesus says, if you want to be rewarded, then do your good work in private, in secret. That's what he says. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, capital D, that day, the day of judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Listen to this, verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, verse 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. In other words, Jesus is saying, or Paul is saying, Jesus is saying through Paul, that your works, all the good works that you've done are gonna be judged by God, and we're gonna find out if it was for your glory and honor or if it was for God's glory and honor, if it was real or if it was just hypocrisy. And Paul says, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. In other words, saved by the skin of your teeth. Now, Many, many Bible scholars have debated what does it mean when, we when, when it talks about being rewarded. Marilyn Wedlake, some of you remember her. Here's what she loved to say. She says, I can hardly wait for that day when I'll stand before Jesus and Jesus will give me my reward. And she talked about that reward as a crown. And hopefully I will receive more than one crown because here's what I want more than anything in my life. I want to be able to take that crown off and I want to put it at the feet of Jesus. I believe that Marilyn was able to lay more than one crown at the feet of Jesus. I wonder what will you have to lay at Jesus' feet? Your life counts, it matters how you live your life. Jesus tells us furthermore that we need to lay up treasure in heaven. And some of us, we're doing quite well on this earth, quite wealthy on this earth. We've got, we've got, it, we've got a lot. But the fact is, is when you get to heaven, if you get there, you're gonna be living like paupers. You got nothing there. Jesus says, you gotta start laying up treasure in heaven. Start, start storing it there. That's why we do an offering every Sunday, to give you an opportunity to store it. It's, it's your deposit, it's your heavenly deposit. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths and eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, 
That's where your heart is also. Where's your heart? Is it, is, it, is it focused on temporal things? I gotta get more stuff. How many purses do you really need? How many pairs of shoes do you really, really need? How many toys do you really need? Jesus says, start laying up your treasure in heaven. And you will do that if you believe in eternity. If you don't believe in in eternity, or if you're living according to the philosophy of this world, you're going to eat, drink, and be merry, and party hearty, and have a ball. But if you believe that we'll be standing before Christ someday, I'm going to tell you, you'll be thinking very carefully about how you live your life. Are you making a difference in somebody else's life? This is why we spend so much time and energy putting on the great missions banquet in February to raise money for our orphanages and the churches in Africa. Because we're storing up treasure in heaven and we're giving you the opportunity. Let me just uh, share a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they become so ineffective in this world. You stop thinking about eternity and you become ineffective in this world. C.S. Lewis says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Powerful stuff. I gotta share one more thing with you and we're done. One more thing. Jesus says this. You have to forgive. Now, you don't have to forgive if you don't believe in eternity because you die and that's the end of it. But if you're going to stand before God someday, yeah, you've got to forgive. Because Jesus says in Matthew 6, if you don't forgive others their sin, then God can't forgive you. Some of us are living very dangerously. We know there's an eternity, but for some reason we have believed the lie of Satan We have become temporal in our approach to life and we refuse to forgive. I'm holding a grudge. I love my grudge. I'm gonna nurse my grudge. My grudge is my best friend. I take my grudge everywhere. I love to show my grudge off. I love to talk about my grudge. Jesus says this. If you don't forgive, then God can't forgive you. So you see the power of the resurrection. It changes everything. It changes how you live your life from day to day. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for your revelation. Thank you for your word that teaches us how to live in this life. God, help us to see that we're living in light, in the light of eternity. And we want our lives, oh God, to count and make a difference. So God, we pray in Jesus' name, work in us and forgive us for our temporal approach to life. Help us to get beyond the temporary, the momentary, and help us to start living a life that reflects that great truth that someday we'll be spending eternity with our God. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me?